0: Hi friends, today we are talking about a mid-semester reset and some things that we might do when we feel like our teaching schedule is just way, 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 way off. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 59 of Elemental Conversations. this conversation is not from one specific um, interaction in particular this is more like a collection of many conversations that I've been having with friends and other colleagues um, and you know email and stuff like that And in these conversations, the thing that is coming up, again and again and again in all sorts of different teaching situations is this idea that my schedule is kind of off the rails. Um, I feel like all of my classes are kind of floating in space. I'm not sure what I'm teaching from week to week. And I had a plan for this semester and everything seems like it is uh, just completely bonkers. Things feel out of control. And this is a very real feeling. And in my opinion, I think it's there for a very good reason. We have uh, weather that comes through that disrupts our schedule. Um, you've probably heard a lot of talk about how uh, cold and flu season this year is absolutely bonkers. We have holiday breaks coming up. We have probably some performances that we're prepping. Um, we have everything happening kind of all at once, and it feels so sad or right? can feel so sad and so frustrating if you have planned everything in a really beautiful spreadsheet and then you sit back and you watch it all become completely irrelevant and we are still scrambling to find something to do on Monday because all of a sudden every plan that we made everything that we thought we were going to do has gone completely uh, um, off the rails out the window So maybe we are getting to the end of the day and we are thinking, wow, I don't even know what happened today. I feel like every single class was just a blur of um, like behavior issues and um, being stressed about a performance and trying to remember what I taught last week so I know what song and game that we might do now that these kids are sitting right here in front of me. Um, And this idea of Everything being overwhelming all at once. I think that is something that many, 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 many people are experiencing. So I share that just to say, if you feel like your teaching schedule has gone off the rails and that your schedule is off and it's kind of overwhelming, I don't think you are alone in that feeling. I think there are a lot of other people with their hands up right there with you. So Today we're going to talk about some, some possible pathways to get our teaching curriculum, our teaching schedules, a little bit back on track for the rest of this semester so that we are set up for the rest of the year. And There are some very concrete steps that we can take to move toward that aim, but first I want to talk about about kind of setting the scene for this conversation because when it gets into the logistics of actually what we are going to teach at what grade at what time like what musical concepts etc like all of the planning document stuff all of that has to do with some very concrete logistics and I think that even though that is really really important I'm not sure that that's the best place to begin the conversation I think I would prefer to start this conversation a layer deeper talking about uh some of the mindset um, challenges that we uh, can face when it's time to address a teaching schedule that has gone off the rails. The question I want to ask is, is this true? Because often when I feel overwhelmed, it feels like everything is falling apart at once. Like every single plate I am trying to spin, I am dropping all of them. I have the capacity to like maybe hold a fragment of a plate and kind of like, I don't know, like bounce it in my hand. <laughs> but absolutely, I am not spinning all of the plates that I have been trying to. Does that make sense? I feel like everything is crashing down around me all at once. That's what it feels like when I feel overwhelmed. And maybe that's a feeling that you can relate to as well. In conversations that I've had with, again, several friends, several colleagues, and some email interactions, One of the things that I think is very helpful is to ask that question, is this true? So let's look at a classroom breakdown. Let's look at the grades that you're teaching very likely. Your situation is going to be something like, again, when you compare um, how you feel week to week in terms of the musical content that you are working through and how that compares to your curriculum outline, your scope and sequence, um, your plans for the year. And just this feeling of like, I know what's coming next and I know what songs I'm doing and I know why I'm doing them and everything has a purpose. Things are streamlined and I feel good about how the next several weeks are mapped out. When you look at Your teaching situation, very likely it will be something like, okay, kindergarten is on track. First grade is actually, from a curricular perspective, first grade is on track. It just feels off because I have a couple classes that talk a lot second grade I don't I have no idea what's going on with second grade we are like in outer space from a curricular perspective third grade is on track I feel good about third grade fourth grade was on track but now we're getting ready for a concert and I'm not really sure what's going to happen when we pick up after the concert is over and then fifth grade is like hanging on by thread I don't even know what's happening there When we look at that all together, yes, it makes sense that we would feel overwhelmed because that is a lot of information and that's a lot of different tracks to try to keep up with on a daily basis and then on a weekly basis and then on a semester basis, right? And again, with all of these performances and programs and kids missing and you are missing class and there's a field trip and a PTA meeting and everything like that, it makes sense that when you look at it as a whole, it feels big. It feels overwhelming, right? So again, with this idea of an elemental conversation Let's zoom in and let's see if we can find a way to pull things apart. So it's not like a big um, spaghetti monster mess where everything is interconnected. Let's see if we can pull some things apart. The thought that we have that we can have sometimes is everything is broken everything is broken right now. I'm dropping every single plate I'm trying to spin. But when we get our ideas on paper, when we get these thoughts on paper and actually look grade by grade at what we are dealing with, what we see is that kindergarten is on track. We're good with kindergarten. I also see that third grade is on track. And now that I'm looking at it, I see that first grade actually is on track. It just can feel a little bit chaotic in that class because of some talking, maybe some like small behavior things. So now I see that kindergarten, first and third are good. I'm not overwhelmed by them. I feel off when I think about second grade and fourth grade and fifth grade. And again, this is just an example. This is a completely hypothetical situation. But when we get things on paper, we see that we have three classes kind of wandering around in space, causing us stress from a curricular perspective, and we have three classes that are on track. Why does this matter when we Can center the reality of the situation instead of the overwhelm about the situation. It changes the problem because one possible approach here, and this this also plays into a tendency that some of us have. My hand is way high in the air here. uh, A tendency that we have to move into all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking. One possible approach to feeling this stress in the middle of the semester is um, I am either the smooth, no stress teacher of the year with everything calm and color-coded, or I am frazzled and I'm burnt out and I am ready to quit my job and everything is chaos. And the, the danger of that, friends, is that if I feel frazzled with one grade or two grades or three grades, it can very easily move into feeling that everything is a frazzled mess and everything is chaos, right? the other approach that i want to kind of move us toward if if you know if you're willing <laughs> is that you know taking this hypothetical situation that we just talked about with those grade level breakdowns kindergarten for a second another approach to this feeling of overwhelm is you know what there are some tweaks that i want to make to second grade and fourth grade and fifth grade to feel calm in my teaching again this is important to talk about because it changes the problem we're trying to address. We're not inventing an entirely new curriculum from scratch because our program is completely broken. We are course correcting three grade levels in this example. So when we sense that this pattern of all or nothing thinking is kind of creeping its way into the curriculum planning process, I think it's just helpful to name it. One other thing that I want to address before we talk about some very concrete things that we can do, Um, it's also helpful to name that when you are teaching a grade level and it feels calm from a curricular perspective, like I know what I'm doing next week and the week after that because I know that every activity is tied to a clear curricular purpose and I have a sequence of concepts and skills that matches my reality and it's a good fit for my classroom. If that is the headspace that we are in, that is not a reflection of our value as a human. And the same thing is true in the opposite way. When a grade level is crashing down all around you and you feel like every single lesson you are like spinning the wheel to try to figure out what to do and every class is like herding cats, same thing. That is not a reflection of our value as humans. Does that make sense? Because the point of what we're doing has never been that we need to teach half notes in second grade by January. That's not why we're here. Okay, so with all of that um, established as kind of the foundation for this conversation, let's move into some very concrete things to do in terms of a class that is kind of out in outer space, curricularly speaking, and a way to get it kind of back on track. The first thing that we're going to do is a deep breath and a brain dump, and then we're going to talk about a curriculum outline, and then we're actually going to schedule out a plan for the rest of the year. Let's talk about this first step of a deep breath and a brain dump. We've already talked about how things can feel very frazzled. We can feel very aimless. And um, this this idea of the overwhelm can be very uh, messy inside our brains. And so one of the things that I think is so, so helpful to do is just get it on paper. So with a sheet of paper and a curriculum outline or with just a blank sheet of paper, let's write down what we have done this semester. In my opinion, ideally, this would be a list of concepts and then corresponding songs and games and activities. So like this is the collection of fun things that we were doing, and this is why we were doing them. That is going to give us a lot of information about what we've been doing and why we have been doing it. And that will help us with our next step. So we know what to do um, for the rest of the month and then through the rest of December. Sometimes, though, we don't have a list of concepts. Sometimes we might have just been doing fun activities just to get by, right? So every class feels like we're trying to do something new and fun to kind of not take up time, but a little bit to take up time, right? (laughs) Um, Just to have fun in music class without a very clear thread of concepts that move through grade levels. And that's okay too. So whatever you have done in your teaching, my suggestion would be to start off by writing it down because just like we talked about a moment ago, when you see it on paper, that can be very calming because then you get to see like, oh gosh, it's actually, we've been doing a lot of stuff in first grade that I feel really good about. It's just kind of felt a little bit chaotic for other reasons, right? Or I feel really good about where kindergarten is kindergarten. They are performing and they have, they're demonstrating understanding and skills at exactly the level that I hoped we would be by this point in the year. And then from there you get a better sense of, uh, of where the program actually is, as opposed to everything is on fire all at once, right? Okay. So whatever you have taught, my encouragement is to write it down, write down what you have done. And then the next step is really, really simple. Uh, You just say, okay, if I got to this concept and then things got kind of squirrely in October, right? Then I'm just gonna pick up where I left off and I keep moving through my sequence. And to me, that is the magic of long range planning. If we are long-range planning in a way that is grounded in reality and that is reflective of our interests and our students' interests and their backgrounds and, and our curricular goals from a broad perspective, if we have all of these foundational documents, then it doesn't matter if we take a little detour off to the side in October and do some really, really fun you know, listening lessons and all of this stuff. We know where we're coming back to and we can keep moving throughout that progression of knowledge and skills and content. Concepts and understandings. So that's why I'm describing this next step as very simple, because if we have a roadmap that's really working for us, then it's very easy to say, okay, after we, you know, twirled around for a little bit in October, we just go back to the next thing. What's the next thing in our series, in our sequence of steps to the year? So for that reason, let's talk about this curriculum outline, because this is how we are going to look at where we are and figure out what the next step is. This is a document that, in my opinion, takes out a lot of the overwhelm of a a mid-semester everything has fallen apart situation. (laughs) Because again, I know I keep saying this over and over and over, things are going to fall apart. And then we just look back at the map and we say, got it. We're good. We just keep going. Music teachers think very vertically about curriculum because for the most part, for a lot of us, music teachers are going to see essentially the same student population multiple years in a row. In a lot of situations, we are working with the same group of students for six years. So as students move through our program, what does the the development of knowledge and skills look like? That's where this document comes into play. This is a broad overview of the program across all of your grade levels or across all of the years that you see students. And we can talk about the misconceptions with grade levels and things like that. This is answering the question, what are we going to teach? The format of this document can be absolutely anything. You can organize it in any way that you prefer. My suggestion, if you don't have a document that you're working on, that you are working off of, and you are creating one for your specific situation, uh, my recommendation is to group things by musical elements. Rather than grouping things like musical genres or how to play an instrument or, um, you know, periods of musical history or music artists, etc. Uh, Because when we plan this way, looking at these big musical pillars, the emphasis is on foundational musical elements that can be applied to pop music or to recorder or to uh, listening experiences or things like that. Students can transfer their understanding across many different pathways of musicing. So just as an illustration, if I teach you how to play recorder, then at the end of that unit, you know how to play recorder. But if I teach you how to think about pitch, then you can play a melody by ear on recorder or guitar or uh, ukulele or any other melodic pathway that you are working towards. Does that make sense? So this is our program at a glance. And while I do recommend that it is organized, that is grouped by musical elements, something that is worth saying and, you know, is maybe a, a subject for a different time in, in terms of how much um, space I could give this topic. Uh, it does not mean when we are working off of a curriculum outline, it does not mean that everyone needs to be using the same curriculum outline. And as a matter of fact, I don't think that we should all be using the same curriculum outline. I don't think that we should all have the same uh, sequence of specific concepts. For example, uh, first end and and then so and me and then so law so me and then so me law and then me so law and then we move to do and then we move to ray. I don't think everyone should have a uniform document I don't think that it would be beneficial at all and I don't think that we should have the expectation that everyone is going through a sequence at the same time pace. When I talk about a recommendation to have a curriculum outline, to have a sequence of uh, musical concepts that you are going through, a sequence that is logical and artistic and it is appropriate for your situation, I don't mean to suggest that everyone's program needs to be uniform based off of a curriculum outline or a sequence that you find on the internet or in a music textbook or that you got from, I don't know, a workshop or your college professor. That's not the point. The point, is that students have what they need to build knowledge over time, to move from the known to the unknown. So just to say it again, the point is not that everyone needs to teach half notes to second grade in January. The point is when we have grounding documents, that really saves us a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm because when things move off the rails, we just go back to this plan that was created with a sense of reality and a sense of the students that the document is serving. We just go back to that list and we do the next thing in the in the sequence. If you are interested in hearing a little bit more about that process, uh, you can jump to episode 23. That is long range planning for elementary general music, or you can check out episode 40, which is lesson planning when you have too many resources. To recap these two steps, we have talked about taking a deep breath and doing a brain dump. We've talked about writing down what we actually have taught. And then the second step is just to compare it to a curriculum outline. You take note of where we have been, and then we look at what are the next things that we want to accomplish musically from a curricular perspective. And that's the next thing that we need to do. So now we just make a plan. This is the part of the process that feels really, really fun to me. This is where we are looking at how many classes we have until winter break and we are collecting some songs and games and activities to kind of revolve around whatever rhythmic or melodic or form or texture, whatever um, musical understanding we are working on. This is where we are uh, gathering those songs and games and activities and putting them into place. Again, I'm going to reference um, episode 23, long range planning for elementary general music, because that goes into this process a little bit more. But this is the actual fun part of teaching music. This is the actual musicking in the classroom. These are the songs that we love to do. These are the games that we know students love. These are the musical concepts that we are excited to explore. All of this is the fun stuff. In the planning binder, um, at the beginning of the year, there was a mini course about long range planning. And we talked about how this is like picking out seeds for a garden where you're like, oh, I'm so excited to grow all of this stuff. I cannot wait to, you know, grow these carrots and this broccoli. This is the fun part where we look at how we are going to fill our time in the classroom to serve a musical purpose. Something important that often comes up and that we'll also talk about later is a, a situation where, let's imagine, let's go back to second grade. Let's imagine that in your curriculum outline, you see that in second grade, you want to explore quarter notes, you want to explore half note, and you want to explore four sixteenth notes on one beat. Takadimi. And let's say that at the beginning of the year, you were kind of rocking and rolling in uh, quarter rest land, and then things got kind of squirrely. You were kind of like floating in space. You're herding cats, et cetera. Then the question is, do I start working on half notes right now and move on to the next thing, or do I back up and do I kind of build up a foundation of rhythmic knowledge, rhythmic experiences, rhythmic understandings before I move on to the next unknown thing? And my recommendation is to think of this not as moving ahead and backing up, although that is language that we use, you know, like backing up in the sequence, that kind of thing. Instead, I would uh, kind of shift this focus To be talking about the foundation of a house. And the question is after I have been like hanging pictures and hanging curtains and picking out paint colors, is it worth it to go build my house foundation? Or is that like discouraging because we're going backwards? And to me, it's like, no, that that's really exciting that we definitely want to have that foundation of musical understandings of rhythmic understandings so that students have what they need to relate the new information to previous information, always relating the known to the unknown. Where have we been? How does it compare to the new concepts and materials and songs and games and activities that we are learning? So I want to encourage you that even if it feels like we are moving backwards in our, uh, curriculum outline the sequence for our program it is absolutely worth it to build a, a set of musical understandings that students can kind of use as a springboard in future years again we'll talk about that in just a moment with this idea of making a plan and kind of making the schedule for the rest of the semester and then maybe even the rest of the year One of the things that we know is that the fall has disruptions, right? We talked about that at the beginning. We talked about cold and flu season. We talked about weather. We talked about performances. We talked about holidays. The fall has disruptions. We know that, right? (laughs) And guess what? This is going to happen in the spring as well. In the spring, we are also going to get some colds. We are also going to have performances. We are also going to have breaks. We can expect scheduling disruptions. And we can expect concerts and we can expect sickness every single year. So what if every semester, what if we planned two weeks worth of like my brain is on fire and we need to get back on track? What if we planned two weeks of that every single semester? And during these two weeks, you can turn on a movie and do coloring sheets. You can do something on iPad that doesn't require a lot of supervision or setup. Um, and in this situation, it's like you're hiring a sub, but you are the sub, right? So while students are doing this activity that they don't need you to kind of guide them through, you are doing whatever you need to do. You are scheduling in a break every semester, a week or two of a break to organize the room, to take a deep breath, um, to look through repertoire that you are really excited to teach and to make a plan for how you're going to land the plane in the next six weeks or, you know, however much time you have at this particular break. This is something that I implemented. This idea of breathing room is something that I implemented inside the planning binder scope and sequence this year, and I'm really happy with it. It's one of my favorite adjustments that I've made to that schedule. I've carved out time every few months for breathing room, and that is just empty space in an otherwise very active, very full scope and sequence. And in the one that we did in October, it was not a hands-off sub activity, but it was a space intentionally carved out in the scope and sequence where that week, if you completely skipped it, it would not impact the long range curricular sequence of other activities. If you decided to do the one-off project, then it would be really fun and hopefully a breath of fresh air for you know everyone involved, teachers and students. But if you skip that week, nothing happens. It's there intentionally in the scope and sequence as breathing room. It's an empty space carved out for these kinds of situations when the schedule gets a little bit off the rails as it is going to do. So like I said, that October project was like a one-off fun activity. The next one coming up is going to be this kind of sub plan (laughs) format where you can put something um, on the board, coloring sheets, something like that. And the idea is that students are still musicking. They are still involved in a musical activity, but you have space to kind of take a breath and do some of this logistic program planning stuff. That way you're not doing it on the weekends or after school or even during your planning, which um, I know that we know gets taken up with a lot of other school related activities. Okay. So that's the idea, scheduling breathing room. What if every semester you scheduled in time during your regular school year to have really easy lessons so that you can get a little bit more organized and create a more breathable schedule, a more breathable plan for the next, you know, six weeks or so. We've talked about the frame of mind that can be really helpful when we have this conversation, when we approach getting a curriculum kind of back on track, so to speak. And we've talked about centering what is true, because normally it is not true that everything is chaos all of the time. Normally, it's a little bit more true that there are a few grades that need some tweaks, right? So we talked about centering reality and kind of avoiding black and white thinking. And then in terms of concrete steps, we talked about writing down what you have taught and then comparing it to a curriculum outline and then using that uh, curriculum outline to make a plan for the next steps in teaching. We also talked about planning for this in the future so that we are not, um, our brains are not on fire continuously. We have things scheduled in our scope and sequence with the understanding that scheduled disruptions and concerts and sickness, those are just a reality of being a human. Okay. The very last thing I want to say, this is a quote from Howard Gardner, who you might be uh, familiar with. He's done a lot of work in education, educational psychology. Um, one of my favorite things in an interview with him, he said that the enemy of understanding is coverage. And in the show notes for this, in the post that goes along with this podcast, I have a link to where he said that so you can read the full interview. It's really, um, it, it is great start to finish. This idea of If we are going to have students understand something, if we're going to give them any hope of having musical understandings that they are building, that they can transfer to other musical situations outside the classroom, our goal cannot be to move through a curriculum outline at the pace that we hoped to at the beginning of the year. We are not serving the document. Our goal inside the music room is not to cover concepts. Our goal is musical understanding in community. Does that make sense? So even if we expected to be in a specific place by December, and while it can feel discouraging, I want to caution us against this idea that it is somehow bad or it is somehow like a bad reflection on us as teachers. If we choose to go backwards and build a foundation and build a foundation of musical understanding before moving ahead with what the document says we should be doing. Covering concepts that the document has outlined. That is not the goal. The document needs to be reflective of the real human musicians inside the classroom. The document is there to serve the progression of understandings and skills over time. So My encouragement to you is to take a deep breath to center what is true about this situation and then to write down all of the beautiful musical interactions that students have had this semester. From there, we're going to compare those interactions to a curriculum outline and we just do the next thing on the list as long as students are set up to have the core musical foundation that they need to move ahead in that sequence and if not we are not doing anyone any favors by clinging to grade level expectations that are outlined in the document it is worth it to build a foundation of understanding instead of feeling pressure to cover concepts all right you are doing a great job Your students are lucky to have you. The work you are doing is important. And your value as a human is not dependent on whether second grade has learned half notes by January.